It doesn't matter how long you've been practicing obstetrics, postpartum hemorrhage is frightening. Uterine atony causes up to 80% of all postpartum hemorrhages. Now, after most deliveries, constriction of the uterine vasculature occurs when contraction of the interlacing muscle fibers of the myometrium control bleeding after placental delivery. But with an atonic uterus, vessels are not constricted and hemorrhage ensues and this prompts first-line therapy, which is usually emptying the bladder, uterine massage, and uterotonics. But when this fails, we need to pursue other options, including tamponade measures. Well, now, as of September 2020, a new device has just been FDA cleared for uterine compression, but it's different than the typical outward balloon compression device. So in this podcast, we're going to cover the new FDA cleared device based on the PEARL data, which just came out recently in the Green Journal. Just a brief disclosure before we launch this podcast, even though we're covering a new FDA-cleared device, this podcast is without corporate sponsorship or endorsement. Before we get into this recent FDA-cleared device, and I've said this before, there's really nothing new under the sun. This concept of using negative pressure for uterine collapse is not new for postpartum hemorrhage. In 2014, Ram and Paniker published in the Journal of Dental and Medical Science a novel concept of using negative pressure for postpartum hemorrhage. In this small study out of India, 16 women who had normal vaginal deliveries and 4 women who had undergone cesarean section who developed atonic postpartum hemorrhage and who did not respond to medication therapy were included in this study. Paniker and Ram described the use of metal uterine cannula with holes that could be connective to negative pressure. In their small study, they found that using negative pressure with these metal cannula caused complete cessation of bleeding associated with the uterine contraction in all women within four minutes after initiation of the procedure. Also, the amount of blood that was collected in the suction canisters from that negative suction ranged from 150 mLs to 250 mLs. They concluded, remember, back in 2014, that vacuum shrinkage of the uterus was a very effective physical method that can assist the natural physiological processes of uterine contraction to stop atonic postpartum hemorrhage. Unlike the metal cannulas used by Ram and Paniker, this recently FDA clear device uses a much more flexible and easy-to-use instrument. The feasibility study for this new device was actually published in 2016 in Obstetrics and Gynecology using an N or a patient cohort group of 10 cases. In all of these 10 cases, the patients had had vaginal deliveries who had failed first-line therapies for postpartum hemorrhage. In that 2016 feasibility study, the authors concluded that in all 10 cases, the suction created an immediate seal at the cervical os. 50 to 250 mLs of residual blood was evacuated from the uterine cavity and that the uterus collapsed and regained tone within minutes. This controlled the hemorrhage. The device remained in place for a minimum of one hour and up to six hours in one case, while vaginal and perineal lacerations were easily repaired. 
they concluded that this preliminary investigation with an end of 10 cases of this device designed to create vacuum-induced uterine tamponade could be a reasonable alternative to other devices used to treat atonic postpartum hemorrhage. The most recent publication using this current FDA clear device was released, published ahead of print in obstetrics and gynecology under original research. The title is Intrauterine Vacuum-Induced Hemorrhage Control Device for Rapid Treatment of Postpartum Hemorrhage. The lead author was Mary E. D'Alton. This study was just released September the 10th, 2020, and we come back, we're going to review and summarize the key points of this study. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, before we continue, I know what you're thinking. Why we need a new device? We already have the battery balloon that gives outward compression. Well, we have to remember, first of all, the importance and the significance of PPH. PPH is the leading cause of maternal mortality worldwide and is responsible for 25% of maternal deaths from OB causes. And you're right, we do have the Bacri balloon. Tamponade directly compresses the vascular bed to impede bleeding as a temporizing measure. By using outward pressure on the uterine walls for up to 24 hours, the uterus may then involute and regain normal tone. Now, although tamponade using this Bacri balloon has been demonstrated to be effective and can control hemorrhage in about 87% of the cases, the mechanism of action actually is counterintuitive. And this is what is stated by the authors of this new study in the Green Journal. You see, if the ultimate goal is uterine contraction, then our distension, again, is counterintuitive. Additional drawbacks of tamponade with outward pressure include the need for prolonged monitoring and observation, the risk of occult bleeding, potential expulsion or dislodgement through the cervix, cervical tears, vaginal lacerations, acute pseudo-obstruction, uterine incision rupture, uterine perf, and infectious morbidity. Again, as point of clarity, the Bacri balloon is outward tamponade. Remember, you can fill that balloon up to 500 mLs of sterile saline or LR. But this is a vacuum negative pressure system that causes uterine collapse. And here's what the author stated about its use. The intrauterine vacuum-induced hemorrhage control device is made of medical-grade silicone, and it has an elliptical intrauterine loop on the distal end, and on the proximal end, there's a vacuum connector that allows connecting standard tubing to an inline graduated canister and regulated vacuum source. Now, in this study, the regulated vacuum source included standard wall suction and, in some cases, a transportable vacuum source. The inner surface of the intrauterine loop has about 20 vacuum pores that facilitate creation of a vacuum within the uterine cavity. The outer surface is covered by a shield that overhangs the vacuum pores and this protects maternal tissue from the vacuum and also prevents the vacuum pores from being clogged with tissue or blood clots. The intrauterine loop and other components are soft and smooth to limit the chance of tissue damage during insertion and removal of the device. 
a manual sweep of the uterine cavity is customarily performed to evaluate for any retained products of conception during a case of PPH. And that is done right before this is inserted. And again, once the device is in, then another hand sweep can be done to ensure that nothing is left within the cavity that shouldn't be there. The goal of placement is to place the intrauterine lube within the uterine cavity with the donut-shaped cervical seal just outside the external cervical os at the top of the vagina. This limits vacuum application to the uterus only. Now that cervical donut seal is then filled with sterile fluid anywhere from 60 to 120 mLs and low-level vacuum of about 80 millimeters of mercury is applied using a regulated vacuum source. Pooled blood is evacuated from the uterus as the uterus collapses, and that can be observed directly when the abdomen remains open, like during a C-section, or by abdominal palpation, or using real-time ultrasound scan after vaginal delivery. The intrauterine vacuum-induced hemorrhage control device then remains in place with the vacuum applied, here's a clinical pearl, for at least one hour after control of hemorrhage. When the uterine cavity collapsed and bleeding is controlled, the continued application of vacuum allows time for physiologic or medication-induced myometrial contraction. So remember, you leave it in for one hour after control of the hemorrhage. After active therapy is completed, the vacuum is then disconnected and the cervical seal is emptied, but the device is left in place for a minimum of 30 minutes to allow for close observation to see if bleeding continues. The device is not intended to be left within the uterus for more than 24 hours, and although prophylactic antibiotics can be given based on physician discretion, it's not part of the original study protocol. All right, now that we've covered its use, now let's get into the study specifics. This was a prospective single-arm treatment study across 12 centers in the U.S., Women were eligible to participate if they were 18 years of age or older and delivered at 34 weeks of gestation or older. Vaginal and cesarean deliveries were included. Patients had to have normal uterine anatomy and normal placentation. They had to have a adeny-related pre-device placement blood loss of 500 to 1,500 mLs after vaginal birth or 1,000 to 1,500 mLs after cesarean delivery. Now, I know what you're thinking. For vaginal delivery, the authors used a cutoff of blood loss of 500 to 1,500, even though the revitalized definition of postpartum hemorrhage starts at 1,000. But remember, both the revitalized program and ACOG highlight that a blood loss of between 500 and 999 mLs should trigger increased supervision and potential interventions as clinically indicated in order to prevent getting to that 1,000 mL PPH cutoff. Women who gave consent were enrolled if they reached the estimated blood loss inclusion requirement and had suspected uterine acne that was determined to be refractory to initial treatment with uterine massage, prescribed uterotonics, and possibly TXA. Now, if the patient had undergone cesarean delivery, then the minimal cervical dilation was 3 centimeters, which was required in order to attempt placement of the intrauterine vacuum control device, which was done transcervically. Of 107 participants, 106 received any study treatment with the device connected to the vacuum. 
successful treatment was observed in 94%. That's 100 of the 106. In those 100 participants, definitive control of abnormal bleeding, here's a clinical pearl, was reported in a median of 3 minutes with the interquartile range of 2 to 5 minutes. This was after connection to the vacuum. Eight adverse events deemed possibly related to the device or procedure were reported, but none of these were severe adverse events. Collection of the adverse events happened up to six weeks postpartum. These included four cases of endometritis, one vaginal laceration repair, one presumed endometritis, one case of bacterial vaginosis, and one case of vaginal candidiasis. Again, none of these were serious adverse events. Lastly, the majority of investigators reported that the device was easy to use with a reporting rate of 98% and 97% would recommend it. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered a new FDA cleared device called the JADA system, which is negative vacuum pressure for uterine collapse to help with postpartum hemorrhage. Once again, that study has just been released, published ahead of print in the Green Journal with Mary Dalton as the chief author. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Mm-hmm.